Hello, and welcome to this year's episode of Total 90 with Dev. When I had initially started this podcast, the idea was for it to be a weekly, perhaps a bi-weekly show, but it seems like we are now a once-in-a-year event. So fasten your seatbelts, because you will be accompanied on this trip by the host with the most, me. And joining us along for the ride today is my dear friend and fellow perennially depressed Manchester United fan, Sijan Tresta. Sijan, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure having you. What an introduction, Dave. I mean, you couldn't have summed it better. But yeah, awesome to be here and I appreciate uh, you inviting me. Without further delay, let's get into the episode for today. We're going to be talking about the transfer market. Now, we're not going to be covering every single transfer that's happened this season because that would just take up a lot of our time and a lot of our listeners' time, and they probably wouldn't be interested in that. So what we've done here to make things more interesting and easier is essentially taken teams that we think people would be interested in. And no offense if we don't have a team that you support that we don't mention. Feel free to let us know what that team is, and we'll be happy to bring that in at some point in a later show. We're going to get the ball rolling with our very own Manchester United transfers this season. We have Lissandra Martinez, Christian Eriksen, Tyrell Malasia, and maybe a Frank de Jong. Sijan, what are your thoughts on transfers so far this season? It's been it's been a transfer of mixed feelings in a sense because um, we did get Malasia very early. Uh, we had talks of Timber going on for a while, which eventually did not pan out. Uh, but I think getting Martinez and um, Christian Eriksen, I think it's it's a very 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 good. Um, especially Ericsson. Yeah, and let's not forget our signing from two years ago, who will probably be treated as a new signing this season, Donny van de Beek under Eric Ten Hag. Yeah, Donny's another one who I hopefully, hopefully he can feature quite a bit because last season when he went out on loan on Everton, the first two games I believe he played pretty well and then he got injured. So yeah, with the Ajax connections, Let's hope like they can wave up some magic. And I'm super excited with Christian Eriksen in general. Bruno didn't do very well last season, which left a lot of players and even fans wondering, and clearly the club in this case, I guess, like what would we do if Bruno had an off season? Because there was clearly no one you could trust in that position. And now you have Christian Eriksen, who essentially is a great fit in case anything happens to Bruno. I couldn't agree more, and I think he might even feature a little, a little bit more as a regista in a sense, you know, because um, yeah. we've we've struggled controlling games. I mean, that was super painful because I think last season most of our possession was around fifty, fifty-two percent, and I know that football is not won by possession. I, I do know that, but the game has evolved so much where teams that can control games. You know, they're the ones who actually go on to win most of the cases. And I think um, one point that I would like to bring is um, a lot of times I think fans have been crying out for, like, you know, this competitive uh, midfielder who can destroy opponents, you know, who flies in with tackles. And while I do agree that is essentially uh asset that we're lacking, um, interceptions aren't everything in football like I was um, looking at some stats 
So last season, um, Josh Brownell from Burnley had 68 interceptions and Declan Rice had 63. And they both played in center mid. And Brownhill played a little bit along the wings as well. But those were your top center mids who had the most interceptions. And that's roughly like 1.8 interceptions per game. So if you're having a really good game, maybe you'll have two or three interceptions at the most. When you bring in the numbers, that really puts that into perspective. Preseason really is an, is not an indicator of anything to come. But in this case, a lot of Manchester United fans have been buzzing a little based on the team's performance. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and hopefully we can get Frankie. Uh, so in a sense, uh, Bruno and maybe Ericsson could like free up, free up the wingers more often and create more chances. Um, We've been we've not been super good with set pieces too, so I think Ericsson's uh, addition is going to be great. I remember him uh, playing for Tottenham like sometime in 2014 when I was in college, and uh, there's a free kick he scored against Sheffield United. Mm-hmm. So Lamela, I don't know if you remember that game, but uh, Lamela leaves it and then he he swings it to the keeper's right. It was a beautiful free kick that. That's 100% like one of my favorite set-pieces goals of all time. Well, we're all hoping that he can recreate some of that magic with United. And especially after everything he's gone through, I'm I'm 100% sure there's no one rooting against Christian Eriksen, even if you are a Liverpool or a Manchester City fan. But before we move on to one of the teams that I mentioned, let's go into one area of focus that... I personally think United really needed to work on, which was their defense. Now we have Martinez. He's a left-footer defender. He's very good at controlling the pace of the game. What are your thoughts on his addition? Do you think he's going to be an immediate starter? Do you think they're going to ease him off the bench? What are your thoughts? So I haven't watched a lot of Dutch league. So from whatever I've seen, he seems to have a great deal of passing range. He's pretty good in the air, like we all have heard despite his five uh, nine height, which is not considered, you know, tall in this teenage. age. Uh, but I, one aspect that I did like is he's pretty decent at dribbling with the ball. Yeah. Um, so which can be a good addition for us, especially when, when we're trying to split teams. Um, and I would really prefer him partnering up with Rafael Varane on the right-hand side. Yeah, see, I, I would love that too. But I think realistically, we all know that United is so embarrassed with the amount of money they spend on Harry Maguire that in order to justify it, they have to start him every other game or that one season, remember, where he played every single game that year. It's probably going to be, I think, a variation of Martinez Maguire, Maguire Varane, and depending on, you know, the FA Cup, the Carabao Cup, the Europa League, you know, depending on what happens in those things I think Ten Hag's gonna have to be very smart with his selections based on the team he's facing having a uh, four world-class defenders to choose from with David De Gea behind them doesn't sound too bad does it no and also you know like I mean this might be a very unpopular opinion but you could even play a three-man defense or you could also play a two-man um, center back ro- uh, partnership with like Varane and um, Eric Bailly with um, oh, I forgot with, about Eric Bay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's had a, he he's had some good highlights in the preseason, you know. Yes, he has. And granted, if he's fit, like he has a good recovery rate, he's very aggressive. Um, he could be a good addition. And if Martinez could be 
put in a holding mid role. And, you know, that's his, him being versatile was one of the reasons we got him. He could play left back, defensive mid, uh, and even center back. I think it would be a great addition. Do you think Manchester will be red this season? I do not think uh, it's going to be red unless Man City have a really bad luck with some of the key stars getting injured. I really don't see them uh, losing this title. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's football at the end of the day. And uh, as a as a Manchester United fan, all you can do, at least for now, is uh, hope that Ten, ha- Ten Hag sparks his magic. I think as long as we're patient, give him some time to perform, maybe half a season, maybe even one season, you know, things will start to kick in gear. Things he's implemented will start to, you know, show their course on the pitch. And I think it could be a very good pairing for uh, Manchester United. Let's move on to our cross-city rivals, Manchester City, who probably have secured one of the most highly coveted talents in world football at the moment, Erling Haaland. To add to Erling Haaland, they've got Julian Alvarez, Calvin Phillips, and then for their backup goalkeeper, I think they finally got tired of Stefan, and now they got Ortiga, who they bought in from La Liga side Alaves. What are your general thoughts on Manchester City's transfer market? I think they've had the best transfer um, this this entire European, um, if you consider all these European leagues in general. Um, they let go of Jesus and Sterling. But I, in, in at least in the financial sense is what I mean. Yeah. Um, I think Sterling is at 28. I think getting 50 million, it's, it's, a, it's a great deal. Uh, Jesus, I really like his movements. So... I think it'd be a dif- uh, quite difficult to replicate uh, his contributions because he is so happy to play in either wing. Uh, and, you know, I guess Arsenal will reap some of those rewards as we've seen he's scored seven-ish goals in the preseason. Yeah, and a hat-trick in there too, yeah. Yeah, um, but I do think Julian Alvarez, he looks great. Um, great speed, yeah. great turn. My um, thought process essentially is they, in the course of, two seasons or three, they've lost Sergio Aguero and they've managed to now lose um, Raheem Sterling. And I think essentially what they're trying to do is have, and Gabriel Jesus. So what essentially they're trying to do is have Erling Haaland take on a more central role similar to Sergio Aguero. And then Alvarez will probably have a similar role to Gabriel Jesus. He's just younger and Argentinian. Alvarez might be one of those transfers that where a lot of people are not mentioning or looking over because obviously you have Erling Haaland, your main centerpiece for, you know, your team to be built around. But I think Alvarez will get some good goals or they don't even have to be good scrappy goals like the ones he got against Liverpool um, during the community shield. But yeah, I think they've, they've done some good business with Haaland and Alvarez. And then to add to that, Calvin Phillips, who I think, and, Give me your thoughts on this. I think Calvin Phillips is an overpriced bench player. I mean, I was pretty shocked, to be honest, when I heard um, they got Phillips. But, you know, knowing Pep Guardiola, like, he's one coach I respect tremendously. Like, he's known to transform players from, like, A to Z. So, I don't know. Maybe he's seen something in Phillips that Mm -hmm. we, we all haven't. But also... We saw last season, they should have won Real Madrid. They should have finished them. They should have put the nail on the coffin, and they couldn't. And finishing was the key issue here. So I think they 
they went bold with Erling Holland, and I think now that they have a traditional number nine, I think in bigger games they're gonna play a flat four-two-three-one and have Rodri and Calvin Phillips sit right across the front of the defense and allow Yao Cancelo and possibly who who plays on the left wing for them to like bomb in. Cancelo is most likely going to be playing from the left and Kyle Walker from the right. Yeah. And Cancelo is very versatile, right? He can go anywhere. Yeah. So versatile that they decided to give their wing back the number seven, which is crazy. So right. yeah, you got Cancelo with the number seven running down the the flanks on either left or right. And then you got Kyle Walker who really can just, you know, outrun anybody. So yeah, I think... And- um, City's done well. I think they've built on squad depth, which a lot of managers have realized is something you need to have in order to succeed, especially this Premier League or generally any league season this year, considering the World Cup is smack dab, you know, in the middle of nowhere. So your final thoughts on Manchester City. Will they continue with just domestic bliss? And have Champions League dismay? Or do you think things are going to get turned around at the helm here? Yeah, I see it very difficult for them to actually uh, win Europe. Uh, just because there's a, uh, the team has changed in a, in a whole variety of ways. So possibly it could just be another semifinal run. Uh, but definitely in, 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 in the domestic scene, I, I do not see anyone uh, trumping their campaign. This is a great point for us to segue to because this brings us to their other and only possible title contending rivals, Liverpool. Now, Liverpool have had a window as such where they've essentially just strengthened. But it brings us to the addition of Darwin Nunes, Carvalho, and Calvin Ramsey. What are your thoughts on Liverpool's transfer window? They had. I think it's going to be pretty close as last season. Um, yeah, they did lose Sadio Mane, which I was pretty shocked, to be honest, that he went to Bayern Munich. But um, at the age of 30, 31, I think they've gotten a decent amount of money. And um, with father time catching, I think it was a good time for Liverpool to start looking. And uh, I think Nunes is going to be a really good striker. He has been injury prone. Uh, past, but he seems to have put that behind him and, you know, fully recovered from whatever was ailing him. So I think Liverpool had a very smart window too. I mean, they snagged Carvalho from Fulham, Fulham who no longer needed Carvalho because now they have the greatest Brazilian to grace the Premier League on their team. You know who I'm talking about, Andreas Pereira. Other two signings, not uh, they're not big money signings, Carvalho from Fulham and then Calvin Ramsey, a defender, Aberdeen, um, at least some players that they're going to, you know, get through their system and see how they hold up. Kind of Dave. So I, I do have a question. Uh, yeah. What, do, what do you think um, is going to happen if uh, Bobby Firmino uh, goes to Juventus as uh, the rumors have it coming along? You know how you had mentioned Sadio Mane. It was the right time and the right place to get rid of a player like him. I um, think it's about time for them to, you know, Roberto Firmino as well. We know that Jurgen Klopp has this love connection with Firmino, and he's had one with Divock Origi, got rid of Origi. Now he's going to have to, you know, bullet and get rid of Bobby Firmino too because there are a lot of players knocking on that door, brother. You got 
Darwin Nunes, you have Diego Jota, you got Luis Diaz. They're just for those spots. So I don't know if they're going to get rid of Bobby this season, but I see this happening very likely come the next transfer window. They might be are honestly the only true title contenders to Manchester City, especially considering how they lost by just one point. And, um, you know, fixtures like Brighton, Aston Villa, teams like that, uh, well, in particular, that big teams were dropping points to, uh, winnings like that will be very important for Liverpool this season. And players like Darwin Nunes, Mohamed Salah, of course, who always shows up, and then Luis Diaz, I think the three of them will be, you know, they'll be very fast, very good. And Darwin Nunes being your typical number nine will have a lot of good balls delivered to him, especially from, you know, Anderson and Trent, who we can't forget on the left and the right. So I think Liverpool has a good chance. Ideally, I would like to see neither Liverpool nor Manchester City win, but that's just the sad reality. And before I get too depressed talking about these two teams, let's just completely switch to a team that I am always happy to talk about because I think they mess up more than Manchester United on several occasions, Arsenal. What are your thoughts on Arsenal this year? They have Gabriel Jesus, they got Zinchenko, they got Vieira, they got uh, and Rusty, who are actually uh, from the LS, and then they have Marquinhos, and then the fabled prodigal son, Hector Bellerin, returning to Arsenal, even though he didn't want to after his season at Real Betis. What are your expectations from them? Well, um, it's going to be interesting. Um, they have had some interesting additions um, this season. I mean, with Bellerin coming back, uh, you know, it seems like at least uh, Arsenal is going to be the face of the fashion world of North North London, which, to be fair, he does have a great sense of style. He does. And, you know, he he can rock it. Like, there's some people who can wear the type of clothes that he does and look very in vogue and you know and there's other people who if they wear something like that look absolutely ridiculous so yeah Hector Bellerin the fashion king is back in North London um I think they've been pretty smart with the players that they've got they've got uh, Jesus like we've talked a little bit about him excellent addition uh, Zinchenko too that's a no-brainer uh, the guy can play left back he can play center mid and knowing how injury-prone Kieran Tierney is I think uh, Mikel Arteta has done a really good job. Yeah, I was going to say the same uh, as Zincho. I think Manchester City may come to regret that decision of having sold him this season because he was their number one utility player that Pep could essentially throw anywhere if he needed something to be patched up or, you know, he needed to replace someone who was injured. I think Alexander Zinchenko is a great addition to Arsenal this season. Oh, good. Vieira, which I think was good. It's uh, a bit of competition for the new club captain, Martin Odegaard, who I am pretty sure will start every single game if he is physically capable of doing it. And then, of course, the Corden De Bruyne, we got Emil Smith-Rowe. I think it'll be a good, you know, competition for the two of them, just keeping them on their toes. The one thing that I am really looking forward to seeing with Arsenal this season particularly will be the partnerships that Jesus will have with the two wingers. I think Martinelli will most likely start and so will Bukayo Saka. Well, no doubt about Saka at least. Um, I think Saka and Jesus will probably combine for a good amount of goals. Maybe not as much as their North London rivals Harry Kane and Hingman Son, 
but I think they will be up there in terms of goals and goal assists. Thoughts? Yeah. No, I completely agree with what you just said. And uh, with the fact about Jesus, like I'm so excited is, um, I, I think it was the um, Copa America where when Brazil uh, were out, um, the coach asked him what's wrong with you because he did not have a great uh, competition. And he told uh, the coach that he did not enjoy playing center forward and the wing was where he thrived when in reality we all saw him like I mean yes he played second fiddle to Aguero for for a while but we thought he was transitioning you know into his air eventually and now in Arsenal it it's like a perfect spot for him where he can constantly interchange with Saka or um, Martinelli uh, Martin uh, Mart- yeah Martinelli on the left um, Smithrow, you know, those those four positions can be constantly uh, overchanged, or if they're going to play a 4-3-3, they have some good, robust uh, center mids. Sambi is, I think he's going to come in really well this season. You have Martin Odegaard, fantastic footballer uh, on his own rights. And then if Thomas Party can stay fit, like, they have yeah. a decent steal. I was very excited for uh, Arsenal when they managed to sign Thomas Partey from Atletico Madrid, especially considering how good he was at Atletico Madrid. But he's had an injury-ridden career at Arsenal so far. He seems to have come off of that. And, you know, I'm hoping he can do well. It will be nice to see Arsenal and Manchester United, you know, revitalize and resume a little bit of that rivalry that we used to have back in the Wenger and Ferguson days. So, you know, love poking fun at Arsenal. They're one of those teams that, you know, as well, along with United. So as long as it's not City or Liverpool, I'm happy with any other team doing well. Um, let's move on to Chelsea. What are your thoughts on Mikel Arteta? You think he is the real deal, or you think he's just a um, leg version of Pep Guardiola? I still am. Con- uh, I still am not convinced that he is the real deal. I mean, if you remember, they had a make or break game against Liverpool, um, and. Uh, to all the fellow listeners, if you're not feeling very great in life, please check out AFTV when they lose. It's a great spot to get your spirits lifted up. Um, they got in Ranveer Singh, and he was so excited about you know getting into the Champions League, thwarting Liverpool, and all this stuff. Like tactically, like I don't think I've seen enough from him where he's like you know brought in substitutions or tried to like get in zone to zone with the op- opposition manager in that sense. But yeah, it either seems to really work out for him, the tactics that he sets up prior to the start of the game, or really seem to, you know, haunt him towards the end of the game. Like you said, I don't think I've seen him ever make uh, adjustments mid-game that have changed the outcome of the game itself. But also, to give him some credit, you know, he's had a bunch of red cards, like in the middle of the games. I, I remember Rob Holding and... There's a bunch of other players who got red cards, which could have essentially thwarted his plans. And uh, they let go of Aubameyang and they decided to not bring anybody. So it could also be that, you know, he didn't have enough players that he could trust in. So we'll we'll find out, I think, you know, the yeah, first few I mean, weeks. They're... Their forward line is a little lacking in terms of they bought in a young Brazilian forward, Marquinhos, but they're probably going to try and develop him like they did with Martinelli. They play if Gabriel Jesus was injured, probably Eddie and Kedia. And then if he also unfortunately happened to be out, they got rid of Lacazette on a free and they don't have Obama Young anymore. So the Arsenal having a really bad season 
if, you know, their fine is injured in the slightest. But he's rooting for a good comeback. And if Arteta can make a comeback anything like Rob Holding's hairline did, it would be a story for the century. Um, I think Arteta uh, does stand a good chance to at least make top four or not bottle it towards the end of the season. How do you feel about Chelsea? It's a tough one. Um, whole transfer embargo, the the whole takeover and all of the things going behind the scenes. You know, they uh, people think it was just Abramovich that they lost, but they lost they lost Marina, the lady behind the scenes who was so astute at getting all these deals um, in place, and they lost Peter Cech too. And I think we're seeing the ripple effects now. Yeah, I mean, decent business in the transfer window. Nothing too crazy. They needed a number nine. They haven't got one. So I'm assuming they are going to heavily rely on Kai Havertz and Raheem Sterling because rumors are circling that Timo Werner is about to be sent on loan back to Red Bull Leipzig. And then in terms of defense, they lost Tony Rudiger to Real Madrid. And then they lost Christensen to their rivals in Barcelona. And now they only have Koulibaly and Thiago Silva, which are kind of an aging center-back pairing accompanied by Aspilagueta, which is if he does not leave the club. So they're looking a little too light in the defensive area. Um, and then they've gone ahead and bought Omari Hutchinson, who is another winger from you know Arsenal, I believe, their rival. So he's also going to be mostly developing. I think their best signing this season could probably be Cucurella from Brighton. What are your thoughts? Who do you think will be their most impactful signing? Yeah, Cucurella, he's an amazing player. I remember he ran the show against Manchester United last season, and I was just like, wow, how on earth did Barcelona let him go? Like, not once, but twice, because they bought him back, and then they let him go to get a fair again. Uh-huh. He's he's a no-brainer for sure. Um, I also have a Ch- Chaloba. I think he this will be like a step-up season for him. Absolutely. Uh, now that Kurt Zuma is already out of the picture, Tomori was already long gone. And I think with Christensen and Rudiger gone as well. Um, but yeah, definitely, it still seems like defensively, they're a little bit in um, in disarray. But I think there's enough time in the transfer window where they can find some decent players. And there's t- uh, talks of Nathan Ake to come back, which could possibly still happen. I mean, Manchester City are asking $50 million for Nathan Ake. I don't think that's realistically something you should do, you know. And It's realistic in the Harry Maguire world. That is fair. That is fair. Um, but hey, Manchester City, having just had um, Laporte register another injury, it doesn't seem likely that Nathan Ake will join Chelsea. But you do bring up a great point in Trevor Chalaba. I think this will be a very important make-or-break season for him. And they might have no option but to start him, considering, you know, the depth they have in defense. It's a good thing that their goalkeeper is Mendy, because that goalkeeper has been in tip-top shape ever since he's joined. Um, You know, this will be an interesting season. You can't help but feel bad for them. You know, every... Every player they wanted was essentially bought by Barcelona. They were essentially Barcelona's shopping cart. Whoever they were linked to, Barcelona ended up getting. They had great chances of signing Koundé. That would have been phenomenal had they gotten him, but Koundé chose to stay in Spain over making a big money move to 
Uh, so yeah, I think Chelsea will probably still be Chelsea, in my opinion, are still favorites to be third, but that could that position is definitely in contention considering what our main man Antonio Conte has done with Tottenham. General thoughts on Tottenham. Who do you think they're going to do this season? I think they might end up finishing second. I mean, that's that's my personal thoughts. I think they're going to finish better than Liverpool and they're going to give City a run for their money. I think they've, they've been super astute in the transfer market. I mean, they got Richarlison who, yes, he does not score enough goals like all these uh, people who are um, super into stats like to uh, proclaim, but his work rate, you cannot question it. He's great in the air and he can easily play on, on the front three, anywhere in the front three. So we have him. I think they made the transfer of Bentancur uh, permanent too and Kulosevsky. And uh, they both fitted seamlessly. And I mean, uh, if you remember that game they had against Manchester City last season, uh, uh, where they beat City in the last minute at their home, uh, where both Bentancur and Kulosevsky made their debut. Oh my God, they were phenomenal in that. Yeah, game. I mean Kulusevsky is still um on loan. I don't think Juventus have fully sold him. They did make Bentancur cool permanent. Kulusevsky, I, I think Juventus may not just yet want to get rid of him because they do have Angel Di Maria to play on their flanks along with uh, Federico Chiesa, who will probably be roaring to go after being out the entire season. But they will probably want Kulusevsky back, especially considering how he's been performing for Tottenham. Um, I personally think that Tottenham has probably had the best transfer market this year. Um, they went from the back all the way through Fraser Forster from Southampton. He was their main goalkeeper. So now they have someone to back up. Um, in you know FA Cups or Carabao Cups in case they want to use Lloris just for the Premier League and Champions League. Then they got Sven uh, Longley to strengthen their defense. I know that was a question. You know, their defense was a little questionable, but they did come together towards the end with Romero and Eric Dyer. And then you also have uh, Davison in there. But I think with Longley and Spence, you might find a little bit more consistency in terms of performances, at least when you compare them to um, Sanchez. And then I think the one transfer that will definitely, definitely help bolster their chances is Yves Basuma from Brighton. I think he's going to be phenomenal for them in that midfield with Pierre-Emerick Hoiberg. That will be a good duo. You know, both are built very, you know, essentially play whatever type of football you want them to play kind of uh, defenders. And then, yeah, I don't know if Kulusevsky gets the start over Richarlison, but, you know, no one's replacing Hingman Son and Harry Kane. So the position that's available will be on the wing for either Kulusevsky or Richarlison. And I think depending on who gets the nod there, uh, we'll see what happens with Kulusevsky. And, you know, the one player we we haven't bought up yet is Perisic. Perisic also yeah. joined Tottenham. So. Yeah. I can't rave enough about even Perisic too. Great yeah. player, can play on both wings. Defensively too, he's so good. His crossing from both feet, phenomenal stamina. And uh, you mentioned Bissouma. I agree. Like he, I remember watching uh, Brighton versus Wolves last season, and they completely annihilated Wolves. I think it was three nil, and he ended up scoring as well. That was one of the best performances I'd ever seen of a center mid. So clinical, so smooth. 
So yeah. yeah, I have a lot of high hopes with Tottenham this season. Uh, you know, that's the cherry on the cake. Join us on our next episode for more unprofessional opinions on all things football. What's another word?